This season of Crazy Sexy Food is sponsored by KeyJays. KeyJays is an independent family-run business that has been making speciality sauces for professional chefs and home cooks like myself since 1985. KeyJays first launched with its goldfish brand Curry Sauce Concentrates. More recently, they launched Taste KeyJays of Suffolk. Inspired by travels to wonderful destinations around the world, these are six authentic, quick and easy cook-in sauces and four Asian-inspired squeezy sauces. My particular favourites are the Spanish tomato sauce with its added paprika, as well as the Thai po chilli sauce to rev up my meals. Order my favourites as well as the whole collection from keyjayssources.co.uk. That's K-E-E-J-A-Y-S sources.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. I'm your host, Hannah Harley-Young. I'm interested not only in food, but the people behind the food and the stories behind the people. Each episode, I sit down and talk all things food with well-known personalities, industry insiders and people who, well, just love their food. Today, I'm joined by the man who makes the best pizza in America. Yep, you heard me right. Mark Iacono is the man, the myth and the legend behind the infamous pizza joint in Brooklyn, New York, Lucali. I visited Lucali in 2018 after seeing Mark on Netflix's Ugly Delicious. I then did my research and saw that fellow Brit David Beckham was posting about him, and that was it. If there was one thing I did in New York, it was to go to Lucali. And my God, did my world change in that moment. As you all know, or should, I am the biggest pizza lover. Mark's laid-back Brooklyn swag is the epitome of cool. Although he accidentally got into pizza making, he has created the simplest menu, pizza and calzone. He has no liquor license, so bring your own bottle or two, and he takes no reservations. He has created an upmarket fancy restaurant disguised as a pizza joint. I told you he was legendary. And so it gives me the biggest pleasure to have him on today. Mark, thanks for joining me. (laughs) That intro gave me chills. (laughs) Wow. Well, then I've done my job. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. You're, you're, you're dialing in from New York. I, I kind of secretly wish I was there. Uh, New York is my favorite place in the world. Um, how has the past few months been for you? It's been a bit crazy. It, crazy, yes. Um, and, you know, I don't want to sound insensitive, you know, to what's been going on. But as far as the business goes, it's been pretty well well everybody needs pizza in times of adversity well well not only that i mean you know in the beginning we were one of the very few restaurants that remained open everyone shut their doors um and we decided to stay open um only because you know what was going on here like the long lines the uh supermarkets the shelves were empty and you know i stayed home because i thought people needed to eat I just wanted to feed people, and um, it it just wound up being super. Like we had to add twenty five hours to our work week, and then we even tried doing a community kitchen, like you know where you can eat for free. Um, it, it didn't, you know, work well. No one. I mean, I guess the air, you know, this neighborhood, you know, didn't need it. You know, we only had two people show up. So we just canceled it and went back to selling pizzas. Yeah. And 
you know, how is New York now? I mean, I don't want to get too political and, and sort of start going down a, a slippery slope. Um, get political. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, sure, fine. Okay, fuck it. Um, you know, obviously you guys have a bit of a, not only are you guys dealing with COVID, you're also dealing with, you know, a huge election coming up. Um, you know, there's a lot going on. <laughs> yes, there is. And, you know, how how are you kind of like dealing with all of that? Because I kind of feel like with New York, I don't know if you know, but I used to live in New York in my 20s. And I feel like New York is like a little microcosm of America. It's its own little entity. Yes. And it's there's a lot of madness going on. As far as me, I'm just rolling with the punches, you know, uh, and trying to feed people. It's kind of sad what's going on right now um uh like what it's turned into it's become this you know thing of unproductive arguing you know and it's you know people have forgotten how to speak to each other not only that i i've noticed that our sources of information are no longer reliable you know both sides have an agenda and I see it creating more of a divide, which isn't good. And hopefully we'll just get through it. You know, people, yeah. people are really emotional right now. And I think they need to put their emotions in their pocket and, you know, and start making smart decisions. God willing. <laughs> I'm going to flip it completely. I want to ask you, what did you have for breakfast today? I didn't. Cigarette and a cloth. Like a true New Yorker. <laughs> yep. I mean, I... I, I Believe it or not, these last two months I've been eating like once a day. Really? Yeah, I've been on this crazy diet. I lost 25 pounds. Why are you on a diet? I just needed to lose weight and get healthy. So what was your diet? Cigarettes and coffee? It, for breakfast, yeah. <laughs> and then dinner at night. I have to say, the cigarette, the cigarette and coffee diet actually does work. <laughs> but please, kids, do not follow that. <laughs> you know, gyms have been closed and you really can't be very active right now. So I went on a diet. So I just want to... Take it a little bit back to your childhood. You're born and raised in Brooklyn. You still are in Brooklyn. I feel like you are the sort of the, the unofficial president of Brooklyn by the, by the looks of things. He's the mayor of Henry Street. Talk to me about your childhood. What was life like growing up? What were you eating? Who was cooking? Um, you know, I have read that, you know, your grandmother was a huge influence for you. So to give, just give me the picture. Growing up, in this part of Brooklyn, in the 70s, early 80s, I mean, my, my child was amazing. You know, for me, it was just like one big adventure. I was looking for adventure after adventure after adventure, you know, and, and you know, I remember it going from, all right, don't leave the front of the house. All right, so you're allowed down the block. And then it's like, all right, you know, I was, I was allowed to cross the street. And, you know, and it just kept, and, and the more it was just like, it just kept going and going and going, you know. But it, it was an amazing place to grow up. It, it was a, believe it or not, it was a, a, a very blue-collar neighborhood, middle to lower income. Um, as far as opportunities, you know, it was, it was basically like, you know, everyone wanted to be a professional athlete. It was a very sports-oriented neighborhood, believe it or not. And, and then there was, you know, the other path you can take. And, and those were pretty much your choices. And if you, you didn't make it out as an athlete, which I don't think anyone did, 
you know, and then, you know, and then you would become either a fireman, a sanitation, you know, you took the police test, the sanit- all the city jobs. And talk to me about the food. So, like, who, who was the primary cook in your household? That was my grandmother. Okay. So were you, so were you living with your grandparents? Yes. Um, well, just my grandmother. Um, you know, she, we lived in a, in a four-story, uh, four-family brownstone. You know, she lived beneath us and uh yeah she did all the cooking you know my mom went out to work my dad my dad passed uh you know i was at the age of 10 i was 10 years old you know so my mom went out to work she had four boys and my you know my grandmother ran the roost and what was she cooking believe it or not um she really didn't have like she didn't cook a, a lot of things it wasn't very broad but what she did cook was phenomenal the few things that she did cook. Um, you got to remember, the way it worked, you know, my grandfather um, was a uh, jeweler. And, you know, my grandmother was a beautician. But her, her, she worked out of the house. So it was like all the Italian ladies would come during the day and she would do their hair and she'd be cooking for her family at the time, you know, before I was even born. And, you know, so you have all these old Italian ladies in her house sharing recipes with her, and she became a great cook. So give me some of the examples of the dishes that you'd be having. Like, was it was it all Italian food? Like, what was like a, a standard meal for you guys? Italian, Italian, American. I mean, you know, listen, I'll just cut right to the chase. It was all about the Sunday sauce. <laughs> whole family, like, you know, the table was 30 people sitting at the table every single Sunday. You know... I remember, like, me at the age of 40, I can count the number of Sundays through my whole life, and it was maybe five. I mean, other than, you know, if I was away on vacation, I don't count that. But every Sunday, you know, me, my brothers, all of us, around, my aunts, my uncles, we were around that table. I think it's so important to have, like, those big family meals. All the way up until COVID. Wow. Yeah. So we don't, we haven't really, you know, gotten together. And when you were growing up and you're sort of like at that age where you're having all these family meals and your grandma's cooking and whatever you're getting up to as a kid, you know, were you interested in food yourself? Like, did you have any aspirations to get into the, into the food industry at all? Yes, actually I did. Yes. What you have to remember, this was predominantly, uh, you know, this neighborhood, it was a very small neighborhood, um, predominantly all Italian. It was about 90% Italian. And, you know, all the Italian restaurants and, and, you know, the grocery stores, the butchers, uh, whatever, um, you know, I mean, as far as the restaurants go, you got to remember, it's Italian restaurants cooking for Italian people. So we had some really, really good restaurants. But what I remember, you know, and it it sticks in my head, and, 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 and it wasn't just me, it was even like my brothers and my cousins, you know. You know, we'd go out to dinner, right, to an Italian restaurant. And, you know, it was great. We enjoyed it. But I remember myself, not only myself, and my cousins and my brothers always saying, you know, Grandma makes it so much better. You know, if we were to open up a restaurant, serve yeah. Grandma's food, you know, so much better. I, I remember, like, going to my favorite pizzeria. And, you know, I really, really enjoyed the pizza, but I always remember telling, you know, I were to make this pizza, I would do it this way. I would just change this. It would taste so much better as a kid. And then uh, one of my cousins opened up a pizzeria, you know, and I used to go hang out there and, you know, support. And if, you know, they needed a hand, I would jump in. 
which they never did, so I never jumped in. But I remember one day asking to if I could make a pizza. And they're like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And I just got back there, and I made the pizza. And I'll never forget it coming out of the oven. You know, the guy working there pulled it out and ate it. He's like, wow, what did you do to this? It tastes so much better. And, uh, you know, it was just a question of technique. You know, and I've never, it was the first pizza I ever made. And what had you done to the pizza? I think it was just a uh, ratio, ratio of ingredients, sauce okay. to cheese. I just changed a little. And, uh, okay. and the cooking technique. Kind of slow cooked it. And it was great. And then, like, you know, I, I don't know, maybe six years later, you know, whole thing just fell into my lap. I wound up opening up a pizzeria. Lucali uh, is in the location that used to be a candy store. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you kind of saved it from being sold on to someone else. You, I guess you wanted to kind of do something with the space. I didn't want anybody else to have the store. I loved it and I wanted it. But when you saw it come up for sale, were you, kind, were you automatically like, no, I don't want anyone else to have this. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I just want it to be mine. It didn't come up for sale. I mean, again, this, it was just luck. The place wasn't for sale. I mean, there was no, you know, I didn't know. I went out for a cup of coffee. You, you know, let me let me uh, rewind a little. Like, this is a place I grew up in, you know. I, um, I remember my dad bringing me here as a kid, and throughout my adult life, I would come here, you know, for cigarettes, papers, whatever. You know, Louis, the owner, had passed away. And his wife and son were running it after that. And then I just remember driving by, you know, a couple of times. And it was open, it was closed. It was open, it was closed. And, uh, you know, uh, a Saturday afternoon, you know, uh, you know, it was the weekend. I was off from work. And I go to the local coffee shop to get a cup of coffee. And I see Rosemary sitting in there with all her friends. And, you know, when I asked, I was like, bro, what's going on with the store? Like, you know, every time I go by, it's been, you know, it's been closed a lot lately. And that's when she told me, she goes, Mark, listen, we're, we're, we're closed. We're no longer opening it, opening it. I was like, really? She's like, yeah, we have some people coming to look at it. Um, another restaurateur that she had mentioned. And I was like, oh, you know, I was like, oh, you know, sorry to hear that, you know. And, and then, you know, and I went, I got my coffee. And on the way out, you know, I, I waved goodbye to all of them, said goodbye to her and all the ladies. And I just stopped, like, and it's not really me. I, I, I think it's rude, like, you know, or it's impolite to ask. I'm not a squeaky wheel, right? But I just stopped, like, I'll never forget, right in the doorway. And I turned around and I walked back up and I was like, bro, listen, if things don't work out, Monday, you know, let me know. I might be interested in the place. And she was like, okay. And I left. I went to my uncle's barbershop, you know, I would always go visit him on Saturdays, and uh, the phone rings, and, you know, my aunt's like, Mark, it's a phone call for you. It's like, you know, for me. And it was Rosemary's son, Anthony. And he was like, hey, Mark, it's me, Anthony, from the candy store. This is like a half hour later. And he was like, listen, we heard you were interested in the store. I was like, yeah. He goes, well, we would love to have you take it over. I was like, really? And they're like, yeah. It's like, all right, I'll be right there. Well, you know, let's talk. And, you know, a couple of days later, I'm signing a lease. You know, I have $5,000 to my name. And now, here I am in Louis Candy's store, only this time I'm on the other side of the counter. 
you know, I'm in the back room that, you know, I, I never saw. I didn't know. I knew there was a back room, you know, but I didn't know what was behind that door. You never had access until that point. You know, coming in there for the first time and I'm looking around like, okay, what am I going to do with this space? You know, I wanted, you know, when I had first spoken to Rosemary and told her I wanted, I really wanted it for my kid brother. You know, he was a union carpenter, you know, four kids, all under the age of five, you know, and I figured he could, you know, it's a coffee shop, lotto machine. He can make some extra money. But then once I got in here and, and I don't know, it just, my wheels started turning. And, and then I just started tearing stuff out. And, and thinking, you know, I was going to do a diner. You know, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was going to do a restaurant. And then pizza, it just hit me. I decided to open up a pizzeria. So you decide you want to do the pizza. How did you even know the first thing about, one, making pizza, running a restaurant, setting up a pizza oven? Because I need to tell you something. I think pe making pizza is actually quite difficult. I don't think it's actually a very easy thing. Um, it's not. And, and, and a pizza business, you know, it, it, it's a very tough business, especially if you're successful. <laughs> it's a lot of work. And, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of people come to me and I'm like, be, be careful what you wish for. And, you, you know, my first vacation when I opened was six years. I didn't have a day off for six years. And, uh, and my first vacation was a hospital bed. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I uh, we, we don't need to talk about that that part of it. <laughs> I mean, you could. I mean, I I've I've I already have done my research. I know your story. <laughs> Can I just ask yeah. one question though? Not not to do with that, but when you were in hospital and you were in recovery, who took over, and who did you trust enough to take over? Funny thing about that was, um, I was closing shop. Like I refused to let anyone else make the pizza. Oh my God, you were actually gonna shut the place? Wow, okay. Like there was this outpour of support by the community and my customers. And you know, I had a great crew, um, both front and back. And, and my pizza guy, the, you know, the guys that assisted me in making the pizza knew how to make pizza. And I remember I was gonna close shop and you know, my brother came to see me because, like, you know, my, my family just jumped right in. You know, my brother, like, you know, my I had a very young staff, too. You know, I hired a lot of young kids from the neighborhood. A lot of my my friends' kids, you know, I shouldn't call them kids, teenagers. And, you know, my brother came to see me, and I, and I told him, you know, no, just just keep it closed. And, you know, when I get better, we'll just, you know, I hopefully it won't take long. And he was like, you can't do that. He goes, you can't do that to these kids. You can't put them out of work. He goes, just let them do it. And, and I let go, I let go and they took over and they did a phenomenal job. Wow. Yeah. Well, when I talk about the incident, you know, people like, you know, I was like, no, don't feel, I, I, I think more good than harm came to No, totally. I was, that's what I was actually just thinking when you were saying that. Just take me back to when you, you decided to to, you know, create pizza, to, to, to build this restaurant. How did you know, did you know, what did you know about Nothing. owning a restaurant? So were you just, were you literally just learning as you were building and as you were? I, you know, I was, I was in the industry, in the construction industry for, my, you know, my, since, listen, I loved, I loved to build. Like people thought I was weird and I was odd because at a very young age, I was doing like crazy things when it comes to like, you know, to building stuff and, and being 
creative with stuff like that. And I, it was something I loved. I loved to create things. I loved to build. I loved to design. I wanted to be an architect. It took me two and a half years to build the space out. And it, that in itself was a labor of love. Finally, you know, I was always building for other people, their designs, you know, what they wanted. I was always in love with like the Art Deco era or like, you know, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s and, and what came out of that, what came out of those eras. And I want, that's what I wanted to create. And I wanted to show people that, you know, you can, I, I, I was also in love with the techniques. Like there was no sheetrock. There was no, it's, this is like original plaster work and, and tin work and, and carpentry. That, would, that in itself it was a labor of love. Then I finished. And it took me two and a half years to finish, you know, um, and now I had to open and now I had to teach myself how to make pizza. And, and there's someone, you know, that in, in all the interviews and articles that I've done, no one, you know, they get zero recognition. Um, there was a pizzeria as I was opening up that was in the neighborhood, neighborhood, neighborhood guy owned it. His, his name was Joe and his son Lenny. And they had a pizzeria, Leonardo's. And as I was opening, they were closing. You know, everyone thinks I learned from Dom DeFara. It was actually Joe and his son Lenny that mm. kind of like led me in the right direction. Showed me the basics and, you know, and then I put my twist on it. And, and I'll never forget, like, you know, um, I was looking for a cheese vendor and some guy came and, you know, he's like, listen, you know, We'll drop some cheeses off, you know, you try them out. And, you know, I was, you know, I had to learn how to stretch. I didn't know how to stretch dough. I would go to the local pizzerias and just buy dough and, and just like learn how to stretch. And uh, they happened to be here one day as I was in the process of practicing stretching, they showed up and I was like, all right, let's make a pizza. And, you know, they had these really expensive, fancy cheeses. I shouldn't say fancy, I just said high quality. And I'll never forget, we made the first pie and we took it out of the oven and, you know, we tried it. And they looked at me and they're like, wow, this is amazing. I was like, really? And, and they were complimenting the cheeses, which were their cheeses, of course, they're trying to sell the stuff, <laughs> you know, but, but the cheeses really did, you know, the first shot, we nailed it. And I'm like, but damn, these, this cheese is so expensive. I'm like, I'm going to have to charge $22 for this pizza. And he was like, I definitely paid $22 for this pizza. And, uh, and that was it. And, and we just, you know, and I, I want to say, you know, maybe, um, you know, I, I practiced a little. I made a couple of more pizzas and like, you know, people were walking by and I was like, hey, you know, that I knew old neighbors that were still left. Try this out. Like, wow, Mark, this is really good. I was like, okay, that's it. I have my pizza. I have my recipe. Um, don't, you know, I did tweak it a little, you know, after being open for a month or so. But that's just me. I'm constantly tweaking. And then came the calzone. Right before opening, I was, again, practicing on pizza. And Rosemary, the landlord, was sitting in here. They live up, they, you know, Rosemary has now passed. But they, li they live above the pizzeria. Anthony's still there. I didn't know yeah. that. That's I remember Rosemary was sitting at table three. She would sit sit here with me as I would do my construction work sometimes. And, uh, you know, and she's sitting at table three looking at the window with her back to me. And, and I'll never forget, she just turns her head and she goes, hey, are you going to make calzones? And uh, I was like, I don't know. You know, I, I, I didn't even think of it. And uh, 
I says, do you want one? She goes, I would love a calzone. I was like, all right. So I made a calzone. I happened to have some, you know, they brought me some samples of regatta. Like I was going to throw that actually on pizza and practice making a white pie. And I made her a calzone. I throw, you know, I throw it in the oven. And, you know, I just bring it over the table, put it in front of her, not thinking. And, you know, I went back to practice and making pizza. And a quarter of the way through, like, you know, she just... I didn't even think to ask her how it was. She turns like with this, what I thought was a look of disgust. Like, did you taste this? And I was like, no, why? It's not good? She goes, this is incredible. It's the best calzone I've ever had. And, you know, and here's this like 75-year-old lady who kind of, you know, you know, the neighborhood was filled with these amazing pizzerias. And, you know, and I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I figured she was just saying that. And I was like, all right, I guess calzones are on the menu. So I did pizza and calzone. <laughs> and here we are. Talk to me about what the Lakali pizza is, because um, the majority of people who follow Crazy Sexy Food will know that I am like the biggest pizza fan of all time. And I eat a lot of it. I probably don't eat as much as you do. But what makes your pizzas so unique, so delicious? is it, it's the simplicity. You don't try and be something that it's not. It's just very, very good produce and it's fresh. I think, I mean, it, it's a number of things. Um, it's ratio of cheeses. What should be the cheese to sauce ratio? Or are you not gonna tell me that? I've never measured it. <laughs> like, I just like, it was my touch, you know? I, I mean, the, the ratio, I don't know the ratio, like if it's, three to one. I, I don't know. I've never, I, you know, people like always ask me, well, how much water? I was like, I don't know. I have a bucket with a line drawn on it. And they're like, what do you mean? You don't weigh it? I was like, no. You know, it's a bag of flour, a bucket of water, you know, a half inch slab of yeast, a cup of salt, a cup of oil. And that was it. And you just mix it all together. But everyone else has all these, you know, these crazy frost, these, you know, where, whether it's a starter and no, I, I mean, I, I, didn't, I wasn't taught that way. And, and Do you know what I like about you? You're very old school. I don't know if I'm old school. No, I, I really think you are. I just <laughs> never got behind the science of it. But like, that's what I quite like because you're kind of like, uh, it's like people focus so much on that in this day and age and food has become so fancy in a way. It's like, you don't need, there's, there's certain things you don't need to touch, you know? Yes, yes. And, and I, from, you know, you know, really keeping an eye on the industry and watches, watching places open and close. Um, you know, they have a, a two-year run. A lot of it is, you know, fueled by PR or, but I mean, when people come to New York, they want a New York slice. They want a New York pizza. When you go to Chicago, um, I have to pause I have to pause. Someone's crashing into my restaurant. Oh my god. Someone's about to crash into his car. Yo! I'm back. Can you hear me? All right, we're back. We're back. So where, where was I? Well, no, we were just kind of talking about, you know, and you're absolutely yes. right, you touched on it, about these these places that sort of last two years and then you kind of don't ever hear yes. about them ever again, you know? Yes, you know? yes, yes, yes. You know, they really get behind the science of the pizza and they look for certain textures and and, and, and flavors as, as far as the ferment, 
fermentation process goes, they don't focus on the pizza as a whole. They're mostly focusing on the dough and the crust. And, and once they achieve that, then their focus is on turning it into something that's totally untraditional to New York style pizza. Like it's like with all the, it, it, it's like creating a recipe and throwing it on top of this dough. And when I mean recipe, like it's like, you know, pancetta and Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Brussels sprouts. You know, fennel. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's no, there's not even sauce or cheese on, on it. You know, don't get me wrong. Um, some of these pizzas taste amazing, but it's not a traditional. But then, is it actually pizza? Well, listen, I, you know what? I, I don't care to argue. Call it whatever you want. The proof is in the pudding. Like, you know, when you come to New York, it's dough sauce. When you want to eat that pizza, it's dough sauce and cheese. All those pizzas, yes. They are pizzas. Um, it's not New York style pizza. I can't wait for you to come to London. There's so many pizza places that you need to try. But like, I want to take you to the places I that I kind of- I want to open up in London. Well, I would love for you to open up in London. I think that needs to happen. I, I want to take you to the places that I even think should be arrested because I just want to show you like what people try and sell as a pizza. Um, and I'm not, and I'm not going to name names because that's, that's not what I'm about, but there are certain places that I just still can't believe are so popular and they just, it's, it's shocking. What it's kind shocking. of pizza? Well, it's just, it's kind of actually what you touched on. There's a lot of people that are focusing on the dough and because it's been fermented for, you know, 365 days or whatever, and it's this <laughs> and it's that, and it's, you know, it's practically got mold growing off it, that it makes it this profound pizza. It's not. And then you're trying to sell me a pizza about the same size as my face and the topping, as in your sauce and your cheese, is as big as my eyeball. If I wanted a piece of bread, I'd ask for a piece of bread. But that is a traditional Neapolitan pizza. Mm. You know, it, that's that's what it is. A Neapolitan, it's not a New York style pizza. I do like a Neapolitana pizza. I do. There's a couple places that I go to. My favorite pizza in London is a Neapolitana style. But they actually give you pizza, you know? And then, the, and then my other really favorite place, he's actually a guy that I really want to introduce you to because I know you guys would get on so well. He owns a really amazing chain of, um, of pizza joints in London who do the big New York style, they're actually 20 inch pies. You can buy them by the slice. Some of their toppings, okay, yeah, they're a little bit out there, but they do just a, a standard cheese and tomato uh, pizza when done right it's a phenomenal thing yeah the thing is a lot of people are no longer doing it right so to stay open well you see this with a lot of slice joints in new york they're coming up with all these crazy toppings you know um there are a few pizzerias in new york that people walk into just to have a slice you know there's this place uh, a couple of blocks away biscotti's from me and when you walk in there no one's ordering toppings give me a slice give me a slice I go to Luigi's, it's, give me a slice, give me a slice. No toppings, doesn't need it. Why do you not have any reservation policy? Um, many reasons. You know, running a business is very difficult. Staying open and making money is very difficult. You need to produce. And if, if I were to do reservations, right, it would have to be this policy where you have to be out in 45 minutes. People aren't gonna go for that. No. What was, again, like, you, you know, uh, a blessing and a, you know, I built this beautiful pizzeria, you know, 
from what I'm told, everyone loves the dining room. You know, if I was to do reservations, I'd do less tables. Why? It's just the way it is. It's like, you, you know, the way it is, someone gets up, someone sits down. And, right. And, and between licensings and, and, and all these fees and all this stuff you have to deal with. Not only that, I would have to hire someone to start taking reservations. Mm. And, you know, it's just more money out of pocket. I also think as well, there's something- But we do take reservations if you really think about it. Let me just tell you something for a second. So when I knew that I wanted to come to you guys, I'd never even set foot anywhere near Carroll Gardens in my entire life. I feel like the whole experience is kind of what sets you guys apart. You come at five o'clock, no matter what the weather is, and let's, you know, we're not talking about New York weather now, but you know, you guys have some really fierce winters and you, put your name down, and I ended up in some dive bar around the corner drinking frozen margaritas. By the time I sat down to have my pizza, I was so drunk that actually it was a really good marketing ploy because you got me really pissed. And then what did I want? I needed pizza, right? <laughs> and then I ended up ordering a calzone. And then I'm, 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 I ordered so much stuff that night, I couldn't eat it all. <laughs> but also when you think about it, like if we would do reservations, wouldn't be the place wouldn't be accessible for those who really want it people come you know the line starts at three o'clock in the afternoon we open at six they're waiting online for three hours those are the you know i'd rather give that table to someone who really wants it than to someone who can just call in you know what let me try getting a reservation yeah. Those people really want it and they deserve it. Do you ever keep a couple tables aside just in case you've got a few like important friends or whatever coming? Absolutely. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and, you know, sit here and, you know, but... Wait, hold on a second, Mark. Can we just, can we just get something clear? Am I part of that list now? We'll see. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, you're part of the list. No, but like, listen, just like any restaurant tour, you know, yeah. I have friends, I have family. I'm yeah. not going to, you know, I... You know, they need to call me in advance. They can't just show up. Like even my brother, you, you show up. No, that, I don't have a table for you, <laughs> you know? But they know to call me in advance, yeah. What shouldn't be on a pizza? I know what my answer is. You listen, if it tastes good, what, what's your answer? I have a massive issue with pineapple. Okay. And that really, like, it, it stresses me out that that's become, like the Hawaiian pizza is a, is a real issue for me. Um, I'm going to make a I'm going to make you a Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I serve what I consider the traditional New York toppings. That's what I put on my pizza. Am I against all these other toppings? No. You know, a lot of people think I am, you know. But no, I'm not against it. Um, and I will try it. But, you know, why complicate my business? You know, why have, you know, a hundred different toppings? You know, the few toppings, like, you know, when, when people ask, you know, what do you recommend on the pizza? Nothing. What, what do you mean nothing? How could that, you know, you've never had good pizza. But that's what I'm saying, though, is that you don't need anything. You never had good yeah, pizza. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I say, I call it a plain pie. It's not a margarita pie, so. Okay, this is a big debate for me. And, and I don't know if it's just such a big debate for Americans or, or New Yorkers. How do you eat a pizza slice? Depends on the pizza. Would you ever use a knife and fork? If needed. I mean, there, there was one of my favorite pizzas growing, pizzerias growing up was Sam's. It's still open today. I've been to Sam's, I think. But the pizza was a very soupy pizza. 
in the middle. It was a puddle yeah. pie in the middle, and it was phenomenal. So when you ate that slice, you needed to start with a knife and fork until you got like a third of the way through, and then you would fold it and eat it with your hands. Okay. I've been told off before in the past for using a knife and fork. Really? Yeah, I've had people who I've been eating with tell me that I'm an amateur. Listen, I, I really, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's a food that I enjoy eating with my hands. But I think you're right, actually, depending and, on and, the consistency and, and, and of everything. And it's so good, like, I just want to get it in my, you know, I don't want to smile. Yeah, I just want to get it in my mouth. <laughs> I just want to fold it and stuff it in my mouth. It's, it, it's gluttonous food. <laughs> it's meant to be messy. <laughs> New York slice, you eat with your hands. I don't know, there's this other thing that I, I tell you what I, I have a bit of an issue with. I don't really like folding the pizza. I kind of quite like having the whole thing there because I feel if I fold it, I'm kind of like, like losing out on half of it. <laughs> it's half as small. <laughs> okay. And I love my pizza. So anyway. When you are at home, what are some of your specialities to cook? Listen, all my cooking takes place in the restaurant. I really don't cook at home. So do you eat pizza every day? No. I, I, I'll cook here, like for myself. Well, well, no, I'm lying. Oh, okay, fine. I mean, it's very rare that I cook for myself. But, you know, I, I mess around with a lot of things here. I, I want to open up a restaurant, an Italian restaurant. So, like, I'm always making things and having my friends try them out, customers try them out. I, I, I think, you know... One of my special is uh, the meatball. I, I need to try it. Yeah, people go bananas for it. They love it. You know, I'll, I'll never say I have the best pizza, but I can pretty much say I probably have the best meatball. Oh, wow. Okay. What are some of your favorite restaurants in New York, aside from your own, of course? Red Hook Tavern, Lilia, Frankie's, Carbone, Beatrice Inn, Il Buco, Emilio Bellotta, so many. Lola's, so many restaurants. I've been to a few of those. Yeah, so many great restaurants in New York. Oh my God, I miss New York. Even just like, what, even there watching- There are so many restaurants that I haven't been to. Yeah. That... Well, the restaurant scene in New York is crazy. I feel like I could never keep up with it. No, no. And, and I don't know, like, you know, as far as my dining experiences go, and it, it's, it's not, you know, I'm not someone who travels around the world, you know, eating food but just from what you know i listen it's really big in my life there are a lot of chefs in my life and, and you know just you know the industry itself and and you know it, it's in new york it's a really close you know tight-knit industry you know we all know each other and, and you know we sit and we chat and we all eat in each other's restaurants and i'm also in contact with a lot of people such as like yourself who you probably travel the world eating food i think you know it maybe the mecca of restaurants. I agree. And, and not only that, um, I've noticed, you know, when I go to a lot of these places and, you know, these are the best restaurants and, and these are the best chefs, their restaurants wouldn't last a month in New York. <laughs> I, I don't like talking like that, but listen, I, you know, that's well, how I feel. That's what I'm saying. I feel like New York is its own little entity. Yeah. I mean, and, and I know it's not the birthplace of a lot of cuisine, but... Some of the best chefs are here. And if they're not from here, they're opening up here. <laughs> so just to round up my interviews, I always ask a few really quick fire questions. One of my favorite snacks of all time is, well, in the UK, we call it a packet of crisps, but over there it's a packet of chips. What is your favorite flavor of chips and why? Garlic. Oh my God, okay. Yes, 
Wise Potato Chips Garlic Flavored. I've never heard of these before. Oh, they're incredible. You never heard of Wise Potato Chips? No. Someone needs to send you a bag. Oh my God. Okay, what they called Wise? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna have to have a little Google. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Bastet, which is spleen. Where? At uh, this place, Francesco's. Wow. Uh, it's wow. a focacceria. Uh, yes, and I, you know, I've been eating in this restaurant for about, since I was a kid, since I was 10. And you know, there were only three things I've ever ordered from there. It's a, a pineal special, which is a chickpea patty. It's a sandwich, chickpea patties, ricotta, grated cheese on a roll. And then they, the same as a potato sandwich. Your potatoes, believe it or not, it's potato croquettes, rigatta, grated cheese, on a roll, cheese, mm. and the rice bowl special. And like all the old school Italians, you know, from the, and the old time is like, they would, you know, they're very, the, the bastet, the spleen sandwich, which is, you know, spleen, rigatta, and grated cheese on a roll. And that was in there one day uh, with Alan Richmond. We, we did like a food tour of the neighborhood and I took him there to try the pineapple and potato sandwich. Because I've been hearing about this spleen sandwich on their menu. It's like, Alan, I've been eating here for about 40 years. I never tried it. No, I have any <laughs> desire to try it. But you know what? Let's do it. And don't get me wrong. I like every. I love, I've been eating there 40, 40 years. But the one thing on the menu that I never tried was this spleen sandwich. And as I was putting it to my mouth, I was spitting it out. Oh, really? Like, you just couldn't do it? Yeah, it's, it's, that was tough to handle. Yeah, it was probably the spleen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, I haven't heard, had that answer before. Okay. What has been your most memorable meal? Wow, Christmas dinner, Christmas Eve dinner. Is there a particular one or is it Christmas Eve dinners are like your favorite? Um, My favorite. What is your favorite meal or your favorite food? Mm. Big Mac. <gasps> Mark! What? Are you serious? Dead. <laughs> billions and billions sold, you know why? Because it's really, really good. I'm not even going to answer this. I, I mean, I, 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 I get it from like a business point of view, but I, I'm not going to talk about flavor here. <laughs> Why not? No. Do you know what? The last time, the last time I ate a Big Mac, I must have been about twelve. Really? Mm. Love it. I must say, McDonald's do do the best chips, uh, fries. Really, really good fries. My final question is. Live to eat or eat to live? I really have to absorb that question because I, I don't understand it. Wait, at this stage of the game, I eat to live. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm all about getting healthy right now. But actually, live to eat. So, you know, now it's just one meal a day, but, you know, a really good one. Like, I'll go in. One meal a day, I go in. What are you going to eat today after this? That's a good question. I haven't thought about it. After this... I don't know. I, I, I don't because I have such a crazy day today. Mark, thank you so much. Uh, we kind of battled through the we, we battled through the Wi-Fi and the technology somewhat. You can follow Mark on social media at Lucali underscore BK. Wait, we're done? We're done. I want to keep going. Okay, we can keep going. This is like the first time I would in an interview that I just wanted to keep going. Let's keep going. What do you want to talk about? Let's talk. I mean, I have other questions, but I just, there were other things I wanted to ask, but I just like, they, they were just a bit kind of like... Boring? Not boring, but just sort of... How about you let me decide? Okay, all right. Okay. Okay, he's in charge now. Um, there is a question I could ask, and that's about some of your celebrity clientele. What do you want to know? In a way, you're kind of like a bit of a celebrity in like the Carroll Gardens area. 
but how did how did everyone come to start knowing about you like how did jay and beyonce start knowing about you how did you meet david beckham like you know you're you're this little local pizza joint how did they start finding out our, our finding celebrity out. list is off the charts I it's mean, ridiculous <laughs> it is um it, it, word of mouth i don't like when i first opened i op like i knew nothing about the restaurant industry like and, and or like I didn't know about these blogs and, and, and these magazines like New York Magazine, Time Out, New York E, you know, the New York Times every Wednesday. I knew nothing about that. I remember like my first New York, you know, a friend of mine who was kind of like into all that stuff. I was like, yeah, someone from the uh, New York Magazine called me for an interview. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah, I got a call from New York. He's like, do you know? I was like, no, how big of a deal? I, you know, I don't read New York Magazine or, or the New York Times. Like, I didn't know the New York Times was the paper to be in, you know, I, I read the Daily News, you know, at the time of the New York Post, you know, you know, I'm very blue collar, yeah. you know, and, you know, I'll never forget, um, I was open for maybe a week and there was maybe only four tables in the restaurant and, you know, I would walk around and speak to customers, try to get feedback from them. You know, because like I says, you know, and I'll never forget someone told me, you know, you never made pizza before you open up a pizzeria. I was like, yeah, yeah. All right. He's like, well, you're not going to tell anybody that. I was like, what do you mean? Are you going to tell people? I was like, yeah, I'm not going to make believe like I know what I'm doing. You know, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so I go over to one table and I ask the guy, I says, oh, you know, how's everything tonight? You know, he's like, oh, you know, pizza's really good. He goes, but uh, do you have a hot spot in that oven? And I'm like, What? Like, I didn't even know what a hot spot was. What is it? I never heard of it myself. It's a spot in the oven that's hotter than the rest of the oven, you know? Okay. And, and I was like, what are you talking about? And he, and he shows me the bottom of his pizza, and half the pie is cooked perfect on the bottom, and the other side is burnt to a crisp. I didn't even know I had to look at the bottom of the pizza, you know? Really, when I started making pizza, I was like, oh, my God, you know, I'm so sorry. I says, you know what, let me make you a new pizza. He's like, no, 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 that's right. I was like, no, 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 I insist. It's not a big deal. So I go back to the table, and he comes walking up to the table with a camera. He goes, do you mind if I take some pictures? And I'm like, um, yeah, sure. I'm like, why does this guy want to take pictures of me? I didn't know people did that in restaurants, you know? This is when the whole food movement, like, you know, was starting. And the whole, I knew nothing about the Internet. I, like, I didn't even own a computer, you know? I, I knew nothing about it. And, you know, he starts taking pictures of me making pizza. I was like, you know, why are you taking pictures? He goes, well, you know, my name is Adam uh, from Slice, New York. And I was like, okay, like, what the hell is Slice? You know, it's a blog. I didn't know what a blog was. And there's another table sitting down up. She goes, we're Peter and so-and-so from Chowhound. And I'm like, Chowhound. Slice New York. I, I had no clue what they were talking about. They're like, oh, my God, we love your blog. And he's like, oh, yeah, I read you guys on Chow How, you know, and they're going back and forth. And, you know, and that was it. Then, you know, about a half hour goes by and there's another table sitting in the corner. And, um, you know, my, my waitress was busy with one table and she was the only one working that night. So I finished the calzone and she was busy. So I brought it over to the table. And when I brought it over to the table, you know, she was like, you gave the calzone to the wrong table. So I go over, I apologize to the guy that didn't get the calzone. And um, I said, listen, my apologies. He's like, no, it's not a big deal. Don't worry. So I go and I make his calzone and I bring it to him and he eats it. And, you know, I, I go, I ask him, how was everything? He's like, oh, everything was great. He goes, listen, you know, I write, I have a food column 
And now here I am thinking like, yeah, you got a food column. You're probably just trying to get a free meal out of me. This is kind of some restaurant trick. You know, like you always see in movies or something? Yeah, of course. This is what I'm thinking. Yeah, you got a food column. I didn't even know they existed. And he's like, no, 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 listen, you know, I would really like to interview you tomorrow and this, that, the other thing. I was like, all right, here's my number. Give me a call tomorrow afternoon. And sure enough, 10 o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call and it's this guy interviewing me. And, you know, at the end of the interview, I was like, oh, who do you write for? He goes, oh, I got a column with New York Magazine. I was like, oh, okay, great. Not realizing that that was the magazine at the time that you wanted to be in. And so do you feel like when that article came out, do you feel like there was like a real, like, turnaround? Oddly enough, when, when I opened, I remember, it took me two and a half years to build the place out. I practiced two weeks on the pizza before I did. And I'm sitting here, I was like, all right, listen, I need the shit or get off the pot. I need to open. You know, it's two and a half years. I mean, you know. I need to open it. And I was like, you know, I still had the paper on the window so no one could see in. And I'll never forget, I, I took the paper down and I called up my landlord, Rosemary. And Anthony, I said, why don't you guys come down? I, like, I, there was no announcement. There was no grand opening party. My family, I just decided on a whim. You know what? Come down and sit in here. We're open. And within an hour of opening, the place was half full. And within two hours, every table was taken. And I was like, oh, and, and I think it was like people's curiosity to like, what, like, what's this maniac doing in there for two and a half years? Why is he not open? And when I unveiled it, people flocked, people walking home from work with no intentions of coming here, made a right hand turn into the restaurant and the place just filled up and they loved the pizza. And, you know, these bloggers, like word spread like wildfire. I didn't have a grasp on it. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to handle it. You know, I'm taking people are now, you know, I'm, I'm getting people to come in like waitresses and, and someone to man the phone. And I'm like, yeah, uh, take out five minutes, five minutes. You know, every time I called for a pizza in any pizzeria, yeah, come down for it, you know? So I was like, yeah, come down for it. Next thing I know, I got a pile of like, you know, 50 pizzas that I'm supposed to make in and out and people are bang, like literally like it got ugly. That's hilarious. I've been waiting an hour for my pizza. You told me five minutes. And I was like, I had no clue what I was doing. And it was pretty crazy. But then, you know, I learned fast. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. Do you have someone now that kind of works beneath you who kind of like does all the day-to-day -day management? Nope. I don't even have a manager. So is it still you running everything? I mean, the place pretty much runs itself. Do you ever take a night yeah. off? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But I enjoy being here. Yeah. What do you do in your spare time? You know, it, it's 7.24, even when you're not here. It, it's a really, you know, tough, tough business for all restaurateurs. You know, if I want to close for vacation and take like a legitimate vacation where I'm not thinking about what's going on while I'm not there, I want to close. You, you, the guilt, it, it, it just eats away at me, and I'm sure most restaurants. And we also have rent to pay, you know, and bills to pay, so it's kind of, of tough. I very rarely get sick. Getting sick is like another time when you shut down. It's like, I don't care who's calling me for a table and having to respond. And like, it's no lockdown. I'm a bear, like, in a den, do not disturb. I shut down to the world when I get sick. I kind of look forward to getting sick sometimes, but you know, you know, no, no, I'll never forget like when, with the incident, when I got into that fight, you know, I'm lying in a hospital bed and, and they had to put me in a suite because I was under arrest. Of course they did. And there's a flat screen TV and I got a remote control and 
everyone in the restaurant industry is just like sending tons of food and you know the cops are there i'm like you know i'm under arrest so they had you know it was five days in the hospital i have a decatheter in me i'm shackled to a bed and i can't get up and i don't have to get up and like i was like a sports junkie and like i was like you know here i am watching baseball again you know like i said more good than <laughs> came out of it just not worrying about a thing not a care in the world other than healing and i'm eating great and i'm watching tv and i'm on painkillers <laughs> and i'm having the time of my life <laughs> yes yes and and, and and that sounds crazy no i get it so when was the last time you actually took some time off uh, forget it but pre-covid sorry two weeks ago oh okay um i went to um wasn't vacation no so i'm not even going to mention i was in mexico but it was more work than anything <laughs> I love it. I'm not going to mention why I was in Mexico, but yeah, I was in Mexico. Oh, it was. It was. It was, I was filming a TV show. Oh, okay, cool. On food, uh, and but prior to that, my uh, you know my daughter, you know, with COVID, you know, all these kids had a rough summer, and she, she's starting high school, and you know, I told them I was like, you know what, why don't you take her on a quick vacation, go to Aruba. You know, Aruba's open, you can go there, it's safe, you know. She was like, okay. And when my daughter found out I wasn't going, she was like, Dad, do you realize you and I haven't been on a vacation in eight years? And I was like, what? She goes, yes, our last vacation together was eight years ago. And, and it's not that I'm a bad dad and I don't love spending time with my daughter. I'm just so caught up in this restaurant and it flew by. And, you know, she went, I bought a ticket and surprised her flew down there and oh my god amazing amazing five days with her there there's still more there's still a lot more i have to do london yes oh i, I was supposed to go to london when i was filming uh ugly delicious uh episode i was in naples and they were like you know all right i was like no don't buy me a return ticket um i, I was gonna travel north i was gonna go to south of france to antibes to see a friend of mine uh, uh and, and visit his restaurant and then i was gonna you know, hit London up, maybe go visit David <laughs> and, and see what London was all about. Again, it's a place that I've always, I feel like it's my, you know, through Hollywood and TV, I feel like certain places are my home away from home and I've never been there. Like, I'll never forget my first time going to LA. You know, I was in California for the first time uh, maybe three years ago. And, wow. you know, just, and, and being there, I was like, yeah, you know, I felt, it felt like my home through Hollywood, you know? So put it this way, I'm obviously a Londoner through and through, but New York is, has, New York has my heart. New York for me, like if I could move to New York tomorrow, I, I would, I would go with the clothes on my back. Really? So that's why, that's why I have a feeling you're going to love London. Cause there, there are so many similarities to it. Yeah. But, but again, um, I'm a family guy, you know, uh, my brothers are here, my aunts, my uncles, and, and they were just such a huge part of my life growing up really really tight-knit family and i'm you know i'm at a stage in my life right now where you know I, I need to be realistic you know i already lost a brother and, and like my aunts and my uncles they're at an age right now where you know what they're not going to be around very much longer i didn't move out of my house until i was like 35. i was still living with my mother because of my grandmother the home and, and the values and and, and the food <laughs> That she about to say <laughs> to the table. I love that. But I also do think that that idea of 
the whole family being in one place together, not leaving home for, you know, longer than, than other people. It's it's a big cultural thing as well. Yeah. I, I mean, you want to know something, and not even so much a cultural thing. You know, there are a lot of families that I, I've seen that were torn apart in this neighborhood. Mm. You know, my cousins, like, there's like, I think we're up to like 25. Those are first cousins. Then I have all my second cousins and all my nieces and nephews. And we're all so very close. Any more questions? Um, I mean... Uh, See that one question, look what it led to. I mean, you've kind of covered it all. I mean, uh, uh, or do you just have to cut it short? I feel like I've known you for years. I know, right? That's what I'm saying. This is one of my favorite interviews. Oh, good. That means a lot. Do you know what's been so lovely as well about this interview is that I've been, I keep staring behind you and I literally feel like I'm back in the restaurant. Really? Yeah. My table was on the other side, on the, against the wall. You want me to do a 360 with the camera? Yes. Kind of set up a little different right now. Yeah, that, that was my table there where that plant is. You want to hear something crazy? Yeah. We've been on yeah. the phone for an hour and a half. I know, I've just realized. And I said to you it was going to be half an hour. <laughs> We should I have talked more about the knife fight. That would have really kept their attention. I know, but I know that you don't want to talk about it. It's a pretty wild story. Yes, it and is. And you're very lucky to be alive. But it's a long story. I mean, we may have to do another interview. Don't they do like a sort of after hours one where it's like... The dark side. Graphic conversation. <laughs> oh, okay, listen. For, for, for those who don't know me and will be listening to this, you keep saying the incident. <laughs> Why don't you just explain it to them? Do I need to explain it? I feel like yeah. I'm being tested now. Okay, so the incident that we've been referring to uh, happened in 2011. Am I correct? Yes. I'm checking your research. Um, where a situation happened with another gentleman. Yes. Um, I believe... You don't need to say no names. I don't know. I don't know his name. I don't know his name. There was a conversation that happened that got very tense. I'm not entirely sure if it was to do with money, but I think it was. No. Okay. Not over money. It was not a love triangle. No, I didn't think it was a love triangle. <laughs> but it got, it, it turned very nasty. And there, there and... is assumption on my part. And, you know, I, I really don't know what was, I mean, I can only assume um, and how it all started. It was basically me meeting with someone to resolve a business deal. And I was looking out for someone that was very dear to me. And I, the, was the reason why, you know, I, I was stabbed 14 times. It, it had to do with a business deal that I really wasn't even involved in. But one person didn't have access to the next person. So I guess I was the next best thing. And that person I am no longer... I, uh, again, and, and you know, and I know um, I spoke about how close my family is, but <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, I, I, there is one member that I'm now in a huge, and I've never been in a lawsuit with, you know, they basically hijacked my restaurant from right. me. You know, my oh. slash business partner hijacked everything from me, you know, had nothing to do with opening Lucali Brooklyn. Um, I made him part of a deal uh, or he kind of involves himself, uh, depends on how you want to look at it, in, in, in a deal in a re my second restaurant. And, you know, and now I'm really, I'm fighting uh, in court for that restaurant. This is the one in Miami? Yes. So I, I'm, I'm no, um, not that I'm not involved. It's just, you know, my, 
for whatever reasons, I need to stay away from the restaurant. Um, the question It'll I actually want to ask. I know. I mean, I mean, like you've left me like a bit of a cliffhanger. Um, with regarding to the actual incident that happened, because it happened on the street, didn't it? Yes. Where were you stabbed? Oh, I, oh, I was stabbed fourteen times. Everywhere. Everywhere. I think it was four in the head, two in the spine, the neck, the arms, the legs, the butt, <laughs> the bum. Well, how do you say it over there? Bum. The bum. <laughs> and how long was your recovery? I think I'm still recovering, <laughs> believe it or not. I was probably back to making pizzas a month later. A month? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did the doctors know you were going back to work? Most of the damage, I mean, I mean, the damage, it, it was the post damage. Because like I had, I had really severe internal injuries where they had to cut me open to save my life. You, you know, healing from that, but I'm good, I'm fine. I literally don't even know what to say. I mean, uh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine it. Like I said, you, you know, it never affected me. It wasn't a, to me, it wasn't this horrible incident. Mm. I, I, I don't know how to explain that. It became a horrible incident for me two years later. And it wasn't that it was something that I buried and, and tried to avoid thinking about. Um, Back to Sunday dinner, everyone's sitting around the table, you know, we were done eating, and, you know, all the guys were watching, we were watching the football games, and all the women were around the table, and it came up. It was kind of like the first time it really came up, and they started talking about it, and what they were, they weren't talking about the actual incident, it was like, where were you when it happened? And I was listening to them, I was, you know, I couldn't help but listening, they were hard, it was horrific for them my, my sister-in-law like when she heard the news she just dropped what she was doing and she ran to the scene like words spread like wildfire with this incident it was like it was crazy it, it was like there was like two three hundred people at the scene and mostly wow. everyone that knew me you know my brothers were there my uncles were there my mother you know everyone was there all my friends they like after they were there within minutes. It was like a fire alarm went off. And it's a very small, tight-knit neighborhood. And, you know, the incident probably, you know, from beginning to end lasted about 20 minutes to a half hour. Um, but, like I said, no one was there until the very end. And, and, and li having to listen to what they went through and how horrible it was for them. And to see me, like, you know, they were, you know, they were there. I was on the sidewalk. I, I like, femoral artery was severed, bleeding out of 13 other holes. Like, and, you know, I look at some of the pictures and, and what my brothers were going through. Like, I'm not supposed to be here, you know. They're looking at me lying on the curb with the paramedics and the fire department. And, and what they were going through, I never realized what everyone else went through. And I went upstairs and I went in the bathroom and I just started crying. Like I was bawling. Like I felt so bad. Not for me, for them. You know, and I was like, oh yeah, no, it was no big deal. It was no big deal. But no, it was a big deal for other people. And they were really, really affected by it. Just like had I seen my, one of my brothers lying on that sidewalk with all these holes in him, Covered in head to toe with, in blood. I was covered in head to toe. Like, when I got to the hospital, the doc, like, you know, like, third day in, the doctor came to see me. He was like, you're a miracle. Like, you are not supposed to be here. 
when you came, walked, when they brought you into this hospital, you had like blood up to your ankles. We gave you six liters of blood. Your heart didn't even stop, which was, you didn't lose, I didn't lose consciousness, nothing. But now that I think about it, if, if it was me looking down on one of my brothers, one of my cousins, one of my uncles lying there, the effect it would have had on me, and, and, it, and that's when it hit me, the effect it had on my family. I never, it never dawned on me. And I just, I cried. Like, I was in there crying, and, and I couldn't stop. It was this uncontrollable crying. It was crazy. That was two years after the incident. Yeah, like, I remember my uncle standing over me, telling me, please, lie down, lie down. I wouldn't lie down. I was, like, standing up. He's like, please, and I remember. And then I was down, I was like, I'm getting up. You know, I was like, you know, the fucking idiotic Brooklyn mentality kicked in. I'm not lying on the floor. F that, you know? It was like, please, my uncle was begging me, Mark, just lie on the floor. Just stay stay still, lie on the floor. Wait for the paramedics. And, you know, that all just hit me two years later. That's what, you know, really messed me up. That's really interesting. When you start seeing it from other people's perspective, it's kind of like that yeah. delayed reaction. It never dawned on me. Right. And they spoke about it like two years later, you know? I, well, not that it was, wasn't spoken about, but I, you know, listening to their experience, it, 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 it just, wow. Do you find it difficult to talk about it with your family now? No, actually, um, it doesn't come up in conversation. Um, again, mm. because I don't have a problem talking about it. Again, I've told the story hundreds of times over. It's actually, it's, it's such a wild from beginning to end. And I'm talking about when, you know, walking out of the courthouse, you know, and, and from, from my arrest, when I was brought to the, you know, to central booking, it's such a crazy story. But it's, again, my family doesn't speak about it. Because, again, it was, it was a really traumatizing experience for them, you know. So they don't, I talk about it. Because, like, again, you know, I, I guess it was worse if you were on the outside looking in. You know, they saw it. I didn't see it. Yeah. I experienced it. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. You're living through it. You're not really kind of, like, looking at it for what it is. Like, you know, I was stabbed 14 times. Like, I don't think I felt one of them. I didn't know, you know. I really didn't know I was getting stabbed. So it wasn't, like, this horrible thing to me. You know, yeah. it was a fight. Like, I've been in plenty of fights. Growing up in Brooklyn, that's what you do. You know, it was a fight. That's all it was to me, it was a fight. And it wasn't like, you know, as messed up, and, you know, I wound up in a hospital. I've been in fights that were a lot worse. Getting punched in the face hurts a lot more than getting stabbed. Well, in, in this case. I'll let you know if you're right when both happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but in the No, I know of, what you mean. I didn't feel anything. Are you glad you asked me more questions? <laughs> I'm actually, no, I really am. I really am. I mean, I can't, I'm just trying to get over the fact we've been talking for two hours. It's been a real pleasure. Wait, I think I have somewhere to be. What time is it? All right, do we have to do an exit thing? I really have to go. I have to take my mom to a doctor's appointment. Oh, shit. Okay, let me, no, I'm just going to literally just say goodbye. I mean, I kind of said goodbye already, so um, we're just going to do a second goodbye. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I just can't, I'm just laughing at how long we've been talking for. I don't, I mean, it's amazing. Mark, goodbye again. Goodbye. <laughs> thank you so much. It has been such no, a pleasure. You. And I cannot yeah, wait I really, really to come and properly meet you. And uh, we can have a proper chat over some pizza and some wine, hopefully in the not too distant future. Maybe in London. 
Maybe in London. Let's see. Let's see where we either of us head first. Yes. I now have someone to visit in London and show me around. Exactly. I'm going to be taking you to all the cool places. Great. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening this week. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and leave a lovely review. And if you can't get enough of me, follow me on Instagram at crazysexyfood and do visit the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel where there are plenty of shows for you to watch. Until next time, bye. Bye.